Sego. Buju Anim. Danach A. Ak Anzenu Shubwithan. Tante. Ay, Inuradikai. This is Words and Culture, a series on Indigenous languages, funded by SiriusXM through the Community Radio Fund of Canada. Sego, Sewaguego. My name is January Rogers. I'm Mohawk and Tuscarora, and this is Words and Culture, the Haudenosaunee episodes. I live and work on Six Nations of the Grand River, which is about an hour west of Tagaranto, or Toronto, as you might know it. Tagaranto is derived from a Mohawk word, meaning where there are trees standing in the water. And it is part of the Toronto Purchase Treaty No. 13, established in 1805. I lived for a bit in Toronto during my 20s, in and around the 80s and early 90s. It wasn't hard to find community in the big city at that time because the Toronto Canadian Friendship Centre was the hub of all Native activities. I remember going to see stage plays by world-renowned playwright Thompson Highway there. And that is where I took my first Mohawk language lesson from a woman speaker who would drive all the way from Akwesasne just to teach us the language. My guest today is a Mohawk language speaker and educator, Christy Talbot. She has recorded a children's album titled Sing in Mohawk with Yego, and we're going to find out exactly what that means. Christy is a graduate of her Mohawk language class and an early childhood educator, so it seemed natural to put the two skills together in a children's language album. Welcome to Words and Culture, Christy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, most welcome. Where And where is your origins? Uh, so I grew up here. I grew up in Fort Erie. I, I currently live away, but my family's still here, so I, I'm here often. Uh, uh, that means I'm I'm Mohawk. I'm of the Mohawk Nation. Christy, your album is called Sing in Mohawk with Yego. Is Yego you? Yeah, she's a character I created a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, I've I've created a couple children's books that she's in, and this is her singing debut. <laughs> oh, how exciting! So, what does her name mean? Yego uh, Riasio means she is good-hearted. Oh, beautiful! Tell us about those books, eh? So there's a few of them. Um, they were I, they were kind of created privately, uh, but I you know it's it's in the dream plan to have them published. Uh, they anything from you know teachings about the Thanksgiving address, teachings about harvest. She's kind of the um, the main character that goes through and explains these things. So it's they're educational, but. They also have these characters that are the main characters that tell the story. I want to talk about the album and then we're going to learn. I wanted to learn more about, you know, your language journey. But again, congratulations on this album, which exists on, I think, all of the streaming platforms. Hey, and the, the, the music platforms where one can download and purchase the songs and the tracks and what have you. So again, the album is called Sing Mohawk with Yago. And it's it, it includes 20 children's songs. Uh, that are almost all of them are under two minutes long. So it's got that snappy kind of like pay attention, um, it's attention span rather for children and for some adults. And, and, uh, 
uh, in the most of uh, all of these songs are songs that, of course, you and I have grown up with as children as well. They're not nursery rhymes, but they're known as children's songs that, you know, that you learn when you're in public school in you know, your, your grade one, kindergarten, grade one kind of thing. Um, like songs like uh, Old MacDonald, Itsy Bitsy Spider. Head and Shoulders, which is always a good teaching song here for body parts. How did you come to choose which songs you were going to include on this album? So uh, truthfully, I have many more songs translated. I have 50 currently and more to come. Um, the album was approved to be 20 songs. So I, I decided to start with probably the most popular, the most well-known. The ones that, like you say, we grew up listening to these, especially um, you know, the mainstream, mainstream, uh, education or mainstream homes. It's, it's in us. We, we know these songs like the back of our hand. And so I thought songs that we know the best that we're most comfortable with would be easiest for us to, and, and listeners to identify with when, when learning the language, especially those melodies, those quick melodies and the quick songs that are repetitive most of the time. So yeah, it's just an easy way to to learn the language. We know that music is universal. And you have a young child at home, hey? So are you using these songs to teach your child the language? Yeah, yeah, actually. I wrote them when I was pregnant with her. And so in in my mind, I like to think that her spirit already knows them. And we've been singing them. She, we've been listening to it in the car now. She's, she's been hearing me sing them, you know, just to her. But to actually hear them on the car speaker or or on our home speaker, she, you can tell she's really excited about it. She's, she's even more passionate about it now than before. And she's singing the little songs. It's she's still she's only two, so she's still developing language in general but you can tell she gets little words in there and and it's very cute <laughs> well that brings me to the the question like so then what age group is the is this album meant for then i think all ages you know even even children who do not have language yet you know one one year old or, or young young babies they're able to understand and comprehend language before they can even speak they're still very beneficial just like we you know, we'll have them listen to an English version. It's great to have that early introduction to to Ganyakeha, to, to the Mohawk. But then, if I may, on the other end of the spectrum, it's for all ages. It's for for our older generations, too. I can't tell you how many people I've taught who were grandparents, caregivers, teachers, parents, older brother, older sister, who were excited to learn these songs because they could relate as, as a child. So they, they themselves were learning the language and then they were excited to be able to sing that to the kids in their lives. So I, I really do, I leave it open and invite everybody to listen to it, especially you know, there's there's many of us who've gone into adulthood not knowing any of our language at all. So it's a fun way and it's inviting. It's, you know, not 
maybe I, from personal experience, when we get into my language journey, you know, I, I talk about how it can be a little bit intimidating because it's so different than what our English brains are used to. Yeah, when I was listening to the songs, the first thing that struck me is, of course, you know, they're so, the the melodies are so, well, we're recognizable, but they're really pleasant musical arrangements. And then the next thing that struck me was the, the, the really adept way that, you know, you're, you're pronouncing the words and singing the words, you know, how difficult was that for you to pick that up in your language journey? to pick up like the the R's and the D's and the K's and the G's and the, all the all those parts of the language that really are quite different, as you said, from from English. They're very different. I, I in addition to this, I teach beginner Mohawk. That is the first I spend eight weeks just teaching phonetics. I call it jolly phonics for Mohawk because it really that is the first hurdle. And I remember that being my first hurdle. That R, <laughs> I mean, it's something that our physical mouths have never done. It is a muscle that needs to be exercised because we've never are in in the English language. That sound doesn't exist. It's a rolled R. I kind of describe it like a an R L combination, like la. And so we spend a whole class just, you know practicing that R. We do it really slow and, and we drag it out like er la, er lay. So and then I, you know, we come back and we say, okay, now let's let's say it in proper time. It's er la, er lay. And and I try to tell my students, you have to practice it. Your mouth doesn't know how to do it. So we have to just keep doing it. Several sounds, phonetics that are that way in Ganegeha that, you know, I say leave your English brain at the door because we're learning completely new rules today. <laughs> so who are your language te teachers? Who did you have to consult with? Um, so I attended Ongawanagadjokwa on Six Nations. Um, I, I attended it as the two-year program. Um, my language teacher there is Rohahio Jordan Brandt, wonderful person, awesome and caring, beautiful teacher. Can't speak highly enough about him. Uh, as well as Gordon uh, Huage, Jeff Doreen. He's actually my first language teacher. Yeah, and he he is um, part of the reason why I attended Uncle actually, because he attended years prior to me. So between the two of them, I'll you know I'll send a little text here and there, or or you know ask them to approve a word, make sure I I have the the grammar and everything correct. Is that kind of what the common thing that we're seeing these days is like people who uh, have gone through the language programs immersion, uh, I might add, they then soon become language teachers themselves. Do you see that? And why do you think we see that? I see a lot of that. There's there's a lot of people that are that are hungry for the language, but that don't have the opportunity to attend an immersion program. I, A lot of sacrifices have to be made that some people just are not in a space like you know, for example, if you have a young child, that's a huge commitment. And although I did see people do that, I know it was tough. It was tougher for them than, you know, a young college student that could just come and, and go to school like regular. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people that it's easy for easier for them just to attend a Zoom class. So the people that are coming out of Ongawana Kandokwa are, are the ones that are 
teaching those classes. What was the impetus to really commit yourself to learning the language? And was that something that was in your family or, and are you the first person to bring the language back to your family? Uh, we did not have language in our family. We're a couple generations away from a residential survivor. And as a result of that, you know, moved away from community, uh, you know, loss of language, not, you know, we've always known that we were indigenous, but we didn't really know cultures, practices, anything like that. So um, in particular language, it, it wasn't really something we even thought about as being a possibility. But because I've always had an interest in kind of reconnecting with the community, in particular, once I became involved with the Fort Erie Native Friendship Center, I, I became employed there at Fort Erie Aboriginal Head Start. I am an early childhood educator. <laughs> uh, I was a preschool teacher there for a couple of years and the language we taught there was Ganyakeha. It was, it was Mohawk language. And I was learning with the kids. I made a commitment when I was hired there that I would learn so that I could teach. And I was learning along with them. We were finding out, you know, what is this word? How do we pronounce it? It asked me, I say, I'm not sure, let's find out. And uh, you have to think at that time, there's not many resources now, there was even less then. This was 10 years ago. So it was very difficult to find those resources and, and to find out. And so people like Jeff Doreen, Gerlin Hiwage, he, he was my resource. <laughs> And, and from there, I, I fell in love with the language. I saw, you know, how excited the kids were about it. I felt pride knowing that I was learning it as well. And I just, I made the decision to, to take a break from teaching and, and attend the full, full-time program. And uh, from there, I, you know, I thought about my own journey and, and how hard it was for me to find resources. And I knew I had these skills in early childhood education. I had, uh, I have some skills in art. Um, and, and now this language skill that I have, I kind of meshed them all together. And I thought I need to make resources. You know, I saw how excited these 30 kids I taught a year were about language. I want all of the children to learn and I want it to be in all their homes. So I, like I said, I meshed those three skills together and I started making language resources. And I, do, I have a website, it's um, teachnativeculture.com and, and anyone who might be interested in purchasing or, or, or checking that out, there's, you know, there's books, like I mentioned, songs, little active games like freeze tag, all these things translated into the language that, that allow learning through play, basically. Absolutely amazing. That's such a great thing that you've done, you've put into the world, you know. Um, how has becoming proficient in in the language affected you on the day-to-day? -day? How has it affected you on a personal level? I find I think a little differently, you know, like when you, when you think about the way, if you're familiar with the language at all, maybe I'll explain it. The way that it's written, the way that it's spoken is a sentence. And so, you know, in English, you say that is red, <laughs> you know, or that is blue, uh, that is green. When you're just saying it's just very matter of fact, there's three words. They, they are three separate entities and they all have a meaning in our language. We, when we say something is green or blue or a color, we're, we're, you know, we're adding an identity to it. We are comparing it often to something that's in nature. So 
even in my English brain, sometimes I'm like, oh, like, it's like the sky. You know what I mean? It's just, it changes the way that your English brain speaks as well or thinks. Amazing. Like a poet. That's what they say, right? Our, our language is, um, our culture is entwined into our language. And so the elders say it's important for us to learn our language because that makes us even more connected. Absolutely beautiful. And then and then musically, you know, you mentioned Jeff Doreen and you know he's the first person that I have ever uh, witnessed who takes the language and to adapt it into contemporary songs like Beatles songs and so on and so forth. But musically, uh, you know, I just want to mention the fact that, you know, you're you're related to uh, one of the singers who I greatly, greatly admire. And that is Shawnee Kish. That is your sibling. And Shawnee appears on four of the tracks on this album. So what part did Shani play with with you musically and with the language? My sister is a beautiful and wonderfully talented musician. Um, I give her all the credit for how it sounds musically. I I call myself, uh, I can sing like a kindergarten teacher. And that's why a, a large portion of the songs are me singing um, when it comes to that, like, you know, just being fun and upbeat. When it came to the lullabies, I left that in her hands. She did a beautiful, it was a beautiful showcase of her talent. She did much better of a job than I could have. And then she also, she co-produced it. She is responsible for the musical arrangements. Um, that That is her gift. And that is what she offered to help me with on this album. So I'm eternally grateful to having my sister really as a partner on this album, for sure. That's so nice. And again, you're bringing the language back to the family. Yeah, she was, I heard her singing it today. And she's like, I, you know, maybe I don't know exactly what I'm singing, but she was singing it right. Like having that experience with her, she, she ended up learning language. And, and some traditional um, instruments as well. Hand drum and a rattle are on some of those tracks. So this is, again, it gets the children introduced to those traditional uh, musical instruments. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about your language journey and like, what was the, what did you find to be the most challenging when you were in the immersion program? I, I consider myself still very much a beginner learner, even though I have the ability to uh, write write the language. I feel like that hasn't always been my strength, even when it comes to English. Um, I, I, because I'm spending so much time breaking it apart in my brain, having conversations was, was very tricky for me and, and because they go so fast. Right. And so I would sit there and I'd be breaking apart a sentence and then they'd already be, you know, onto a different topic. <laughs> but I mean, that just comes with time too. That that comes with time and practice. And in all uh, reality, the more people that you have in kind of your language circle, the more you can practice that. And so me having then moved away from the community, I don't really have that language circle anymore. Me and uh, Jeff Doreen, we will often get on the phone. Um, and and I find like I'm I always say to him I'm a little rusty I'm rusty right now but then by the end of the conversation we're we're going and, and having full conversations again so 
it's just practicing, right? It's just, they say, if you don't use it, you lose it. So, yeah. Um, I would love to hear be be on the uh, one of the ends of those uh, telephone conversations. That'd be so great. Have you uh, dreamt in the language yet? They often say when people take on the language, they you know you they know it's rooted in them when you start to dream in the language. Has that happened to you? Yes. Oh yeah. For, it, definitely. When I was in in the program, like regularly, I was, um, and I almost feel like. I, I'm spirit, like as we all are probably, I'm, I'm a bit spiritual, right? And so I kind of believe that I've been visited by some people too, and, I, and I've been talking to them. I never really remembered exactly what we were talking about, but I knew that it was like positive and encouraging. And I remember being like very touched by that, being very happy. I'm just wondering um, if, if you have like advice for folks who are coming in now as language learners, like, you know, I'm, I'm a you know, mature person, 60 years old, and like, I'm just so busy. But to be honest with you, with all of the language resources that are available in my community in Six Nations, I've got nothing but excuses not to take it on. And, you know, being busy is just a, another one of those excuses. So what advice can you give someone who, you know, really is busy and, and you know, people, as you said, who have families and children and what have you not not that that's the only thing that keeps you busy but you know what advice can you give them to if they're if they're really interested in just even picking up the little bit the smallest bits of language that they can yeah yeah and, and like I say I understand that there's so many different um everybody has their own scenarios everyone has their own story and and I completely understand I have a two-year-old you know it's somebody just made a a Facebook post saying it's a, an Olympic sport to have to write in a professional email with a two-year-old. I was like, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just like you say, every little bit that you can do, just think about times that you can do it. You know, for me, I drive a lot. I'm always driving back and forth from Newmarket, a little bit North of Toronto to Fort Erie. And so that's two hours of of open time. And and I used to, when I went to Ungawanak and Tokwa, I drove from Fort Erie to Six Nations every day. You know, I had to study. There was a lot of studying involved, a lot of listening, a lot of repeating the words that you're learning. And so I would make recordings on my phone and then play it in the car. And so for an hour and a half every day that I drive, that was my study time and I just listened to it. So it's kind of like if you can find these passive times, if you're a person who goes to the gym, like listening to recordings, the songs that I just released are a great opportunity, you know, even just listening to them, even if you don't know what they mean, it's the listening. They say that we didn't have written word. That's, that's actually, that's a mainstream thing. Um, it's better for us to listen to it than to read it anyway so you know you can do the listening you can you can get it into your mind into your spirit and if you want to know what it means well then you can go back and read it after after it's already connected into you so yeah i, I would definitely say recordings are are the best because they're they're a little bit it's a passive way of learning it yeah you know like if we can like you know as children you know, we were always told, hey, if you could just learn your homework as much as you learn those songs on the radio, then you'd be okay, you know? So having, putting the language into music is just a brilliant, brilliant way of sharing and teaching. And then, and then also I love the fact that you talked about uh, phonetics. So, you know, seeing the words spelt phonetically and pronouncing the words from that 
form of spelling. Uh, for me, I had like when I did a language class a long, long, long time ago. That's exactly what I was doing when the teacher was, you know, using the words. I was just like trying to spell it out the best way I heard it. And um, for me, that worked because it's a visual type of learning, but also I got to repeat it back after reading it. Yeah, yeah. That's Christy Talbot that's- is an educator, a language learner, and speaker. Her children's album is called Sing in Mohawk with Diego. You can find it on multiple streaming services. You can also find it on Christy's website at www.teachnativeculture.com, where you'll find lots of other great language resources, games and craft projects for professional educators, or just for you and your family. Here are your three quick words that we can try in Ganyageha. Let's pretend we're little kids like the ones listening to Christy's album and learn our numbers today. Here are numbers one to three. One, aska, a, ska. Two, degani, de, ga, ni. Three, asa, a, sa. Nyawa to you for joining me on Words and Culture today. Next time on Words and Culture, I'm going to take you to a Cayuga Games night where there were lots of laughs, lots of yummy food, and lots of Cayuga language being spoken to. Until next time, onigiwahi, be well, and take care. Words and Culture is made possible with funding from Sirius XM through the Community Radio Fund of Canada. Words and Culture is produced by Kim Wheeler. Kaylin Belair is our audio engineer and editor. Onigiwahi. Gigawabamen. Soko seni denit e. Minen yuji hina. Ekose. Kakuutao. We'll see you again.